All right, good morning everyone, and welcome to the RPA's discussion of industry trends and market outlook for reusable transport packaging. Thank you. Um, I'm Hillary Thiemel, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for the Reusable Packaging Association. I'll be moderating our panel of experts today. So we have uh, with us Ben Stoller, who is CEO of Paxel, a global supply chain logistics provider, primarily in plastic pallets. Welcome, Ben. We also have with us Leslie Lemaire, who is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for George Oots, a global manufacturer of reusable plastic containers, pallets, and component holders, as well as custom solutions. Welcome, Leslie. And finally, we have with us David Kruger, who is president of Trianda Holdings, a global manufacturer of thermoformed pallets, dunnage, and cargo protection. So welcome, David. All right, so let's get started uh, thinking about the market in general for reusable packaging, so your customers. Um, what are some of the problems that they're coming to you these days to help them solve? We can just start with whoever, whoever wants to start off. Good? Yeah. Okay. Um, for us, uh, a lot of our customers are preparing for automation. They're facing a lot of uh, labor constraints, and it's not as a result of uh, trying to replace workers. It's just getting the right talent in place. So they're, they're preparing their operations for automation and are looking to us for um, the right tools and resources to help support a successful transition from whatever they were doing to new systems with different integrators. So we're looking to optimize the containers that are literally the touch point for those systems and making sure we give proper thought to um, you know, what their needs are to pursue that goal of automating. I think our customers are really looking for um, solutions that they don't know exist. Mm -hmm. um, they're looking for different ways to handle the products than maybe historically they've, they've handled their products. Um, and you're also seeing different themes within retail um, along the lines of trying to get pallets um, as displays or um, the ability to show product more effectively within a retail environment um, and not really dock door to dock door. Uh, very similar to those answers, uh, the more complex the supply chain solutions or supply chains become, and the more federal regulations we see today, uh, the more challenges these companies have. So to meet those regulations, uh, to meet those supply chain requirements, uh, those complexities, and to mitigate those risks, uh, to meet those challenges, they have to have better solutions and those demand you know, a lot of supply chain uh, operational as well as uh, uh, ability to see those. So through utilizing um, tracing and tracking software and integrating that with their supply chain uh, at the lowest common denominator, which is usually uh, the shipping platforms, uh, we can give them that visibility. And uh, as we see more organics and farm to fork uh, and other evolving marketplaces, they really need that, uh, especially uh, as we see uh, ever-evolving uh, viruses as we see today. So uh, those will become more and more apparent and needed. So as your customers are dealing with more complex supply chains and automation and looking for new retail solutions, dealing with a changing retail environment, do you see that driving growth? Uh, for reusable packaging in the future, or what are some of the other factors that are that are really um, increasing adoption of reusable systems? Uh, absolutely, um, and you know, 
if you, even if you look at it as material agnostic, uh, which you really can from a reusable packaging, um, as you look at cost, uh, you know, you want to mitigate the cost internally, uh, but to be able to understand where those supply chains are coming from, feed stock up, and be able to quickly go back and look at that, um, at that custody chain, the chain of custodian, and uh, be able to go back and, uh, and track it. Uh, you know, recent examples in the news in the last year or so uh, uh, with uh, Chipotle a couple years ago cost them billions of dollars of market cap uh, just because of the uh, romaine lettuce issue. Uh, if you had that visibility, you could quickly go get that chain of custodian and be able to get that level of detail quickly. It gives you a lot of help. Yeah. Yeah, I would say absolutely more growth. Um, with viruses and with everything that uh, was just mentioned. Uh, cardboard cork packaging has the opportunity to harbor more bacteria. Um, so being able to, to mitigate and drive out risks where, where that could be contained is, is important. So. I think you're definitely seeing growth. And, and you know, years ago, if you remember over, over fumigated pallets that, that Tylenol had a major issue um, years and years ago. You're, you're seeing people thinking about that today, and it's been talked about. You know that that chain of custody for that for that pallet is going to help drive some growth for us in the future. I think in general, people are figuring out that um, their supply chains can really become uh, profit centers rather than cost centers. Um, and as people start to focus on that, you're going to continue to see growth in, in reuse and reusable packaging. So it sounds like there's a lot of different factors that are that are driving that growth. And when it comes to actually converting from one-way solutions to reusable packaging. Is that more difficult because of some of these factors? Is it easier than it used to be? Or kind of, how are you seeing your customers as they're going through that implementation process of switching from one-way to reusable? How has that changed in the past few years? I, it's definitely more difficult, um, but the, the problem has been solved and it's solved by many companies every single day. Um, I think you're also seeing people that are focusing on one-way solutions um, with some sort of reusability factor on the other side. Um, we've got OEM customers that want a one-way solution that they can ship overseas, um, but they don't want to waste that, that product. So can we work with somebody overseas? Do we know somebody in Europe? Do we know somebody in Asia that can take that pallet back in, regrind it, credit it back to the company, and you can see that, that one-way solution be reused? Um, so I, I, I think you're seeing people focus not only on reusables from uh, um, lots of turns and touches with, with a single pallet. Um, you're seeing people focus even on one-way solutions, creating reuse and, and sustainability um, in their own supply chains. Yeah, absolutely. We work on a lot of projects where it requires a unique size uh, pallet footprint um, where we'll ship for, um, a, again, a system that's going to be converting to automation. So we'll have hundreds and hundreds of pallets going into this facility, and we'll proactively work with our customers to make sure that there's a, a partner that we have where those, those ubiquitous assets can get reused. So we're proactively looking for opportunities once we know something is maybe a, a one-way shipment to find partners that we can reclaim it and reuse it. Once again, I agree. Uh, when you're looking to uh, sell a system in, it's more as a solutions provider, a uh, holistic solution where you can really uh, talk about the product as a uh, open solution uh, and show them the ROI from start to finish. Because when you ship the product, uh, the data that you're garnering has to be usable. You have to show predictive analytics, you have to show how it helps the business going forward, and really what that data means on the backside. 
uh, all the data you're generating, generating, you know, billions of pieces of data, uh, when you use it and you garner it, you have to do something with it. And the customers are very keen to pay for it if there's a good business case and use for it. Uh, so by doing that with the reusables and having uh, the visibility and creating and uh, gathering that data, that's very powerful going forward. Yeah. Uh, and with reusables, you get that data as well. Yeah. So, so you mentioned ROI, and obviously, uh, regardless of the type of packaging you're using, uh, cost is going to be a, a major you know, deciding factor as to yeah. whether or not you convert. So how do each of you help your customers think through um, the cost impact of switching from one way to reusables? Uh, well, from a cost perspective, uh, obviously uh, when you push it through, uh, the multiple trips that you get from a reusable, uh, and whether you're doing a pooling or you're owning the reusable and doing a life cycle analysis, uh, and whether you're paying for the data or, or not, or we're collecting data or not, you just have to make sure you're doing the correct analysis. Uh, when you look at the pallet studies, uh, which I'm very familiar with, wood versus plastic, the number of, you know, you get three uses out of a wood versus 60 out of a plastic. Uh, if a wood pallet costs X dollars and a plastic's 3X, what do those economics look like? And are you picking up all of the correct uh, economics for that uh, analysis? Uh, and then you have to look at the metrics. I heard Tim earlier, Tim Divas, talking about the metrics involved by Blackstone and looking at the uh, uh, sustainability metrics that they're picking up in all of the back of the financial statements today, and I know a lot of the big uh, big box retailers are looking at those as well. Yeah. Uh, so you have to pick up some of those as well because a lot of the uh, investors are going to be looking at that going forward. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about total cost of ownership uh, versus acquisition price. Um, those are two centerpiece conversations that we have, um, along with what's the what's the cost with getting it wrong. Um, so when you're converting, you have a lot of different options, and it's important that um, you're considering that, what your acquisition price is versus the uh, totality of the program. And I, I think TCO is really important to think about. Um, as we're looking at the future and what it may hold, we're looking at hybrid-type containers that aren't made today, right? Because that total cost of ownership for automotive companies, for repairs, for knockdown containers, and things of that nature, um, it's not just about what it costs day one. It's how many turns, touches do you get out of it, and then what are your repair costs? Because a lot of these containers, pallets, what have you, can be repaired. And people are forgetting that um, some of those repair costs are, are really significant. And if you can also lower that backside of that repair cost um, with something that they may not be thinking about but may be more expensive, it's part of that ROI calculation that we talk about. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you, you have to sort of help your customers understand all the different areas that are affected cost-wise by packaging that when you're just kind of purchasing a one-way container or a pallet, you're not really thinking about those. What are some of those areas um, that you found that, that are impacted by cost that companies really don't think about when it comes to packaging? I think safety is probably the most important. Yeah. Um, safety does have a cost, um, and it's, it's usually a negative cost and a negative expense. Um, as you look at work comp numbers and, and trying to keep your facility as safe as possible, um, you can injure yourself using the wrong type of packaging and your employees can injure themselves using the wrong type of packaging. So I'd say safety is probably the number one factor that's kind of out of the box that people really don't think about. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say uh, ergonomics to support that as well. Um, you know, quality, safety, but being able to provide products that will allow for your employees to have a better experience at work and um, making sure that it's supporting 
uh, the best possible use um, for the products that they're they're coming in contact with. Yeah. Well, that's so important. It's you know, labor is such a big issue for every industry, regardless. That um, you know, the the better you can and make a, a system for your employees, the better your retention. It makes sense. Ben. Yeah, and along that same vein, anecdotal, um, we had implemented a uh, craft facility in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, we just finished uh, about three-month review. Uh, we're going through the plant, and a uh, worker there came up and uh, gave me a hug. I said, "What was that for?" He said, "I don't have to walk around with a broom sweeping up shards of uh, wood from uh, rental uh, pallets, wood rental pallets, and that made our job so much easier." So. Along that same vein, it was nice and uh, rewarding for that employee. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's a different way of thinking about not just the different areas that packaging impacts, but also the different levels of the organization. Obviously, from from people down on the floor in the warehouse, you know, all the way up to the C-suite. Sure. So. Yeah. Okay, so switching gears just a little bit, um, we're hearing a lot about the Internet of Things, of IoT, and and AI. Um, what role, if any, uh, do you see reusable packaging having in, uh, in the implementation of IoT in, in supply chains? Um, I think it's one of the largest uh, drivers of uh, reusables uh, in the supply chain as well. Every device, every package at one point in the near future will be connected to IoT. Uh, it's inevitable. Uh, uh, and it will probably be the thing that drives it, uh, drives reusables to uh, as quicker than anything else. Uh, with the amount of data that's going to be collected and just the uh, insatiable desire to have that data will really push it, in my belief. I would say the, the traceability is, is, is key mm -hmm. um, for everything that we're, we're hearing about with coronavirus and you know everything else that we deal with in, in terms of uh, opportunities for contamination that that traceability is is, is is paramount we've been talking about it for a long time I feel like we've had a version of this conversation and we're actually really starting to see the implementation of these things um, and it'll all it'll all be about taking that information and turning it into actionable insight and that's the next step to uh, to evolving this conversation I agree I think I think we're getting there the other side of that is I, I, I caution customers um, that as they look at technology, make sure you understand it um, and make sure you understand how to use it and make sure um, within your system it's going to work. Um, I think the worst thing you can do is buy a software or buy a technology package that doesn't fit your business and doesn't, and doesn't work for you. Um, it's almost like dri driving a car that looks really nice on the outside, um, but there's no engine underneath. Right, and, and you see that with software packages. So, um, as many people have had you know, ERP implementations that have blown up in their face, any type of software can blow up in your face. Um, but I, I do think the industry is getting there, and I think longer term, 10, 15 years down the road, um, you will see most containers connected in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So, between you know IoT and automation and retail, and kind of some of the trends we've talked about. Just to kind of summarize, what do each of you think is kind of the biggest trend that's shaping the reusable packaging marketplace? You know, for the next two to five years. I think companies were were really trying to figure out where the next place they could make money was, um, and I think that's been the biggest driver. You know, with this industry in the last call it 20 years, people have really thought, you know, this is the year that it's really going to take off, and this is going to be our year for the for the plastic container or the plastic pallet, whatever you may have. Um, but you're really starting to see those tailwinds today. Um, you can see it with the amount of investment that's being put in, into the material handling business. 
I mean, walk around here, I bet half the people um, that are visiting this show that, that aren't here specifically as a customer or as a supplier, they're probably finance people that are sniffing around. Yeah. Um, and you see a, a, a lot of PE money being pumped into our industry, and, and I think that helps with some of the, the tailwinds for our industry. I think a major component of creating a, a sustainable supply chain is having visibility. That's first and foremost. You have to be able to map out your business and, and understand what it's doing today. So there might be a lot of assumptions about how your product is moving through the supply chain, but without really that tested visibility, mm -hmm. uh, you, you don't have that fact-based data to be able to make different decisions to, to transform your business. So I think it'll be about first mapping out your business, understanding what it is, what it isn't, and identifying the opportunities for, for improvement and operational efficiency. Yeah, uh, in my space, uh, it's gonna be legislative. Uh, the food safety rules and regulations are gonna drive a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's gonna be driven by the big box retailers and their desire to have, uh, to implement uh, that food safety and those channels across the board. Very great. Well, that's the end of our, our formal questions, but I wanted to save some time to see if anyone in the audience had any questions they wanted to ask our panelists. Oh, yes, hi. So, so the question was, do you find that you're going to your customer with um, the opportunity to change or that they're coming to you? No, the customers are, are coming to us. Uh, we we get we're getting tons of calls. Uh, everyone has the same question: sustainability. And those customers are driven by the big box retailers, uh, as well as their needs for food safety uh, and to move onto uh, different products, as well as reusables and to drive down cost. Uh, so it's being driven by their board of directors uh, and their owners, and uh, being driven down to their supply chain. Uh, directors and managers, at least in, in my experience. Yeah, I've definitely, we're, we're getting a, a lot of requests. I mean, people seeing these systems put into play, how do I get there, where do I even start? And so we take a very consultative approach with that. Uh, I would say with customers where we've already implemented uh, reusable systems that we're going back and ensuring that we delivered the value proposition that we said we would. And if something's not there, that we're looking for ways to optimize and improve upon it. Um, so it's a two-way street. But yeah, there's a lot of people with awareness that, uh, that want to find the right solution and are looking to us for the answers. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, I think we're getting phone calls. But, but the other side of that is, too, we, we still have the job of selling. Um, it's not as if we have um, you know, plants that everybody's plant is completely full and, and nobody has any more capacity. Um, there's still more selling that can always be done. Um, but I think that a lot of customers um, are also saying, um, we don't know really what you have. Um, and, and these can be really, really large OEMs. They may not know that you make a battery pack or you have a hybrid container or something new and different. So you really do have to engage and start that conversation about what the new products you may have or what new you're doing. Any other questions? Okay. Is there anything that we've left off that, that any of you want to say before we wrap up? I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> I'm good. I appreciate it, Hillary. Okay, great. Thank you guys very much.